Welcome to the No BS Short-Term Rental Podcast, an unfiltered look into the global vacation and short-term rental industry. I'm Matteo Bradford. And I'm John Stokinger. And this is our podcast. We bring the right people to the table at the right time, giving you an inside view and take on the short-term rental industry like no other podcast can. Good afternoon, Matteo. How are you? Good afternoon, John. Happy post MLK Day weekend. I am good. Did I, I know that you said you were going to take yesterday off. Did you observe? Did you do anything special? Always. So for me, yeah, it's not just about not working, which right, for sure. does or does not actually happen. But the focus of the day is definitely not work. It is service reflection and just want to give validity to the day more than just a bank holiday. And for myself and my family, we typically look at how we, what we're doing to make our world in this space a better place. And so sometimes it's reading, sometimes it's actually, it was because of COVID and other stuff, a lot of the actual physical things that we would do weren't out there, but in terms of supporting organizations and a lot of Zoom meetings and stuff like that. And yeah, we're pretty busy for the day. So yeah, there's a whole wash of over posting on social and and Mm -hmm. people that are like never post that come out of the woodwork to post. And it's, you know, how you always question the the sincerity of it, unfortunately, but Truly one of the, my favorite posts of the day yesterday reflecting, it was, was that of yours at ease. I'm not sure if you or, or Anthony posted, but it was fantastic. With that said, today is the day after we record the day after. It's Tuesday. This will go out on Thursday. We have an amazing guest and it is season two, episode mm-hmm. seven mm. of the No BS Short-Term Rental Podcast. I'll let you kind of run with this, Mateo. Well, you know, we... In new year, fresh perspectives. I think one of the things we are looking forward to this year is continuing to be that amplifier of all of the wonderful things that make up our industry. And our guest today, I'm not into the generational stuff, but I will get into talking about the future and and where we are going. And, And the guest that we have today is cementing his spot within our short-term rental space and doing some pretty incredible things with technology, working with some amazing people. I will let the cat out of the bag. We are fortunate enough today to be joined by the CEO of Wash B&B. Many of you actually saw him give his pitch at VRMA, but actually Daniel uh, and I have been talking on and off for gosh, quite some time. So he is a tech founder. I will let him talk all about Wash B&B, how he got here, what they're doing. But we are lucky to have him. I don't know if you remember uh, a couple episodes ago, somebody brought his name up. One of our guests brought our, Julie George brought her, our, his name up and she is a, a big believer in this young man. And I, I, I say young man with quotes, not in a disparaging way. His uh, brother, I think we're, we're close. I, I think if, if space, you're watching- but I, I consider myself young, yeah. If, you, if you're watching the video and on. you're looking at all of our chin hair, there's a bunch of gray and white and in all of them. So just- I think just, I got the most, I think I'm winning. These 27 year old grays are, are, are silver? Look, man. I, 27. <laughs> oh, bullshit. I know. This is yeah, the no look. bullshit. <laughs> Good call. Both my parents were completely gray in their early 30s. I'm oh. 39 now, so I'm feeling oh. like, uh, yeah, I'm feeling like I'm doing well. I'm not 39, and my father is his hair is all white now. All my uncles on my mother's side of the family are silver-haired. Puerto Rican men. I'm actually feeling pretty good. If this is really what I'm working with right there, and a little sprinkling up here, but 
A&M. It's a good look. <laughs> Daniel, you know, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, Dan, welcome to the show. <laughs> thanks, Mateo, John. I'm, I'm super excited to be here. But yeah, this is really an honor. I, I want to dig right in. John, if you didn't have anything else, I want to dig no. right in and tell your story. I love the concept of Watch Me and Be, and I'll let you dig into you know, what that is, where it's going. A lot of people have heard of it, especially the VRMA folks who've seen you present or have seen you be a part of the community, the clubhouses, and the other things that you've been bringing your company to the forefront around. But as we always start on, on this show, how did you get here? Because uh, you have not been a, you're not a, a legacy, what I would like to say, short-term rental or hospitality. I guess there's an asterisk around that because uh, you're going to talk about some food, some beverage. And, and I guess that is considered part of hospitality. Sorry. But uh, yeah, how'd you get here? Tell us your story. Yeah, definitely. I want to apologize for the background noise. I forgot to turn off my heater. I'm in Milwaukee. I think it's, I think it's actually going to be like 39 degrees today. So balmy, yeah. I got my shorts on, nice. um, but it just clicked off. So now that I'll uh, turn it off for the rest of the show. I think the story really starts in this house right behind me. We were just chatting before the show. We started recording and I moved to Milwaukee from San Francisco in 2015. I fell in love with the city. I fell in love with this really cool duplex that was built 160 years ago and remodeled into a really cool space. It's big. It's got open, you know, spaces, spiral staircase, lofted bedroom. And I, I was actually living in San Francisco, two blocks away from Airbnb's headquarters. I had some friend that worked there, used Airbnb in the past for beer events and taking care of my team when we're, when we're traveling places. <clears throat> and when I moved here, I was just going through some times working on opening a business in Mexico, actually. And decided to share my place on Airbnb. I think it was pretty early to the Milwaukee Airbnb scene. And this place photographs really well. And just like that, sort of overnight, it was booked. And in fact, this unit or the downstairs unit has been booked every single weekend night since 2016, since I listed it. Wow. Um, That's insane. That's insane. Yeah. I think actually my downstairs unit, which is now I'm living in the upstairs unit. And last year, my downstairs unit, I think AirDNA shows it as the number one performing one bedroom in Milwaukee. So it's just a you know, great combination of location. I like living in up and coming neighborhoods with great access to walking distance for um, bars, restaurants, based on my past life as, as working in hospitality management and, and food and beverage. And it just happened the way I, I thought it would. But the Airbnb thing happened on accident. I used to stay 150 nights in hotels around the country for five, six years in a row when I was working in, in beverage. And so I also knew what hospitality, like good hospitality felt like. I know what the Western heavenly bed was all about. I knew what a guest would want when they came here, wherever they want to go live like a local. Mm -hmm. And so I think watched Airbnb and, and me just really clicked. And as some places came available on my block, I decided to slowly add more units. And that wasn't that slow. Actually, you added the downstairs unit in a house around the corner at the same month. And that's what led me to how do people get all this laundry done when you've got right. 15, when you got 15 beds and three units. And then I grabbed a couple more apartments and I was like, Oh no, what have I done? I've created like a whole new job category for myself. And that's just laundry alone. And so that was really how I made it from San Francisco to here, how I stumbled on Airbnb that next summer. Actually, my place was so busy. I had to go rent an apartment because I was homeless. Like the, my girlfriend at the time kicked me out. She was like, you can't stay with me for free anymore. I'm not cleaning your house up anymore between guest dates when you're out of town. So I think things, a lot of us early in, in got our start in hosting whatever platform that was on or taking care of guests. And no matter what you go through these steps of doing it small and seeing this is a great business opportunity. Let's dig in a little bit more. And then you start seeing problems and I'm an efficiency mm -hmm. sort of like guru. I hate problems that just are status quo. So I'm always trying to find the right way to, to solve a problem and um, noodling on some ideas over three years 
after becoming an Airbnb host led me to wash B&B. That trajectory makes 100% sense. And you're right that a lot of, not every, but a lot of people that come into the space are exactly the, you know, a similar story. Started renting this house, started doing this. And then next thing you know, I have an empire or next thing I have a problem. Looking at uh, some of your photos on LinkedIn, laundry sucks on one of your shirts. Yeah, that's, there you go on that shirt right yes, there. Yeah, absolutely. the one you're wearing today. Now you've, you're figuring out a solution, but what exactly is that solution and how, you know, the, there's, a, I noticed a partnership with Techstars and there's some different things going on. Tell us about that and how everyone can come up with a solution in their head. Like I have a million great ideas. A, I don't have the time to do any of them. I barely have enough time to do this with Mateo. And this is our big idea. And then how do you get it funded? And, that's, and you're obviously still working on that today. Yeah, those are really great questions. And it's something I've been just figuring out over two years now. In fact, we're coming up on, we incorporated the company in February, I think February 6th or 5th, 2020. And one, I think finding the idea, you're right, you can identify problems, you ask a lot of questions. I, luckily, our idea has a solution. It's just tailored to hotels with 500 rooms or 1,000 rooms. So there are efficient ways to get laundry done sustainably, to get fresh guest linens you know, pressed and ready to go. But it's just not scaled properly to the future of hospitality, which we think all here is decentralized and, and smaller and more neighborhood and, and in a lot more people's hands. And so what Wash Me V is really is doing is tying all of those pieces together. How do we make something big and efficient work with something small and decentralized? How do we take the best things that we can learn about linens, pair them with technology like RFID and make inventory management and tracking more real time and more reflective of the actual data that we're seeing as opposed to just what our industry benchmarks are. Logistics, getting things like to and from places. So we're really sort of like borrowing from a lot of different disparate places and putting things together. Now, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area. I lived on Townsend Street, two blocks from Airbnb, a block from Dropbox, a block from Brex, a block from all these many, many multi-billion dollar startups. And most of my friends worked for them or had their own startups, but I was in beer at the time. And so Smart I was a pro, yeah, I was a brand manager at Anchor Brewing Company and marketing and doing really nothing of the sort. And so my technology exposure was more working with agencies to create websites and social media platforms, looking at all the different tech that could support us as a beer sales organization, but really not doing any of the fundraising things. And so when I came up with this idea and really got it tested, realized we can sign a customer really early. Now, the first thing I was going to go is like, okay, great. I'm going to go to San, San Mateo, San, San Hill Road, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I'm going to get funded. I'm going to go walk in the office, you know, sit in the boardroom with Andreessen Horowitz and you know, Sequoia and, and, and tell them how many millions of dollars that this company can be worth or billions and cool. And that is not how startups work <laughs> for the most part. Now, there are startups that work like that. And for us, it's been a journey of discovery, a journey of how startups that look like ours that aren't full tech, that aren't 10 offshore software developers in the Ukraine, like making a billion dollar product, how we can, again, put a whole bunch of different pieces together. How can we use the venture ecosystem? How can we use angel investors to sort of find our own way and build a startup that looks a lot more like what most of the country looks like and not just a few square miles in Silicon Valley or New York City. And so I think that's really what we're trying to discover now is, is how do we make this work for us, our customers and our investors and put everybody in the same group of stakeholders and create value for everybody at once. Where, where exactly did you start? Where was your first hub? And explain for those that are listening, that I'm sure there are those that are listening that, that have no idea what Wash B&B is. And I understand we've talked about Laundry Sucks and you're facilitating your logistics, all the different pieces. 
but to the person that has no idea, all right, how in the future, and that they realize that watch BNB is accessible to them, what exactly is that for them? I think the easiest way to describe it is a magic or fully automated linen closet that you have access to that is always full of luxury bed and bath linens. Just if you're working in housekeeping at the Westin, you show up for your shift, you pick up a cart full of sheets, you go take all the dirty linens away, you put new ones on the beds and towels on the racks. And then you go at the end of the day and you drop all the dirty linens in a room. And the next morning you show up and like magic, that closet's all full and you're ready to go do your job again. That, that's really what the essence of Wash B&B is. It is a magic closet that's always full of what you need. It's improving your guest experience by using luxury linens that are like a, a Ritz-Carlton would use, for example, and then providing that trust and safety that everything's been professionally cleaned and washed, taken care of, maintained. And that's really what the essence of our customer experience should look like. On the back end, we have to get all that laundry done. We have to put right. everything in the right place. But really, that's what we want is this automated closet experience. Now, but with the automated closet experience, Daniel, is this something that is delivered directly? For example, if you're working with a property management company, okay, and they say they have 50 units and they're like, we want to use uh, Wash B&B. Are you bringing them to their, the main office and then they're dispersing them? Are you or are there different tiers where you're going to go house to house or, or how, how does that work? Yeah, long term, definitely there will be different tiers. Currently, we're working with mostly vacation rental managers or short-term rental you know, companies that have 10 or more units in the same geographic location and that we can deliver to some sort of central facility. And then their teams are responsible for taking the linens back and forth to the either the properties or the rooms. Currently, we're in an urban market in just Milwaukee. And most of our customers work in some large multifamily buildings. And so okay. we either deliver to closets or storage spaces that they have in those buildings or a storage space outside of that building. Then their team goes and day, does their daily operations. Now, are through- they all bagged and tagged? And I'm super excited. So I, I love this idea. And as you may or may not know, I used to work for Track. I spent a couple of years at Track Hospitality Software. So I understand there's some different you know, possibilities of like API connections with different property management softwares and how you can go ahead. And is this all part of the things that you're thinking about? Definitely. Yeah. There's a lot of product development on the digital side. Like you said, those API connections, getting better at, at pairing real world usage data with the real world reservation data will be an important part of our development because we want to get really good at this. We want to really drive efficiency to make the pricing reasonable for everybody. It also just helps significantly with the environment when you're not just moving stuff around for the sake of moving it around, washing it for the sake of moving it around. So Long-term, there will definitely be a lot of that digital sort of development and ecosystem that, that comes around it. I think especially because in a world where your tech stack is getting larger by the day in, in mm-hmm. this vacation rental management space, we don't want to be a part of that. We want to be a simple, hey, Wash B&B is taking this significant problem off my hand, and that's going to free me up to do other things like revenue management or hospitality, provide better experiences for my guests. And Wash B&B is just always working in the background, and I don't have to go into a, another app or another login, or submit orders, or make anything happen. We just want it to all run seamlessly in the background. We've looked at lots of different things. Right now, we're just doing bulk delivery. So we'll set up like a closet. We'll keep it really well-maintained, rotate, organized, and tagged. And then that way their teams can simply pick up what they need for their day and then go. Some of our next customers we'll be working with, we will be looking at different sorts of kitting. So making kits for individual homes, having different sorts of tags and inventory tracking management associated with that. And then we've also looked at systems where we can actually set up something on the exterior of homes that our teams and their housekeeping teams can, can access. 
and then service that as a service point. One big thing that we need to watch out for for us is trying to not pair our delivery and pickup with reservation check-in and check-out times. It's just a potential to create a bottleneck, a potential to create mistakes. So we want to make our service more efficient, but then also be able to make a, a much more efficient system for housekeeping. So they always, they're just not worried about where's our stuff and when, when, when is it coming? No, that makes sense and super impressed. So Milwaukee now, and you've been doing this, improving this for a couple of years now? Yeah, we like I said, we launched uh, February 2020, so we had really good timing to start a hospital. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Couldn't have been um, better. <laughs> we, we did have some customers that we started out right away with, and our plan then was, hey, we'll pick up all your stuff and wash it, and we're going to learn some a little bit about the logistics and, and pick up and drop off, but eventually we're going to make this huge purchase of linens, and we'll start sending everything um, out to a professional laundry company. So one of the things that we do is we partner with these big giant laundry facilities. They're mostly automated. They can only work with hotels, 200 to 250 rooms and above. And so as we devise this system, I said, we need that level of quality. We need that level of awesome automation on the back end for linen processing. How do we do that? We just tell them we're a big giant hotel but we'll handle all of the distribution throughout the to right. smaller markets. So that's a really big, great thing for us is we don't have to invest $14 million in new laundry facilities. Um, we right. Yeah. And that's in the future. Yep. Yeah. That could be something that we definitely. And so as we go picking these up, those are the types of like customers and, and partnerships and things that we're working on now. But where now after, so it's Milwaukee and you mentioned you, you have a couple more locations that are, are in the works here. Where are you going from here? Yeah. Sorry. I lost track of where that question was going. Yeah. We started in Milwaukee. So August in 2020, we finally had our full service program um, up and running and then we've been adding customers steadily since then. We've mostly bootstrapped until we took the Techstars financing last summer in 2021. And so that really limited our ability because when you come in and buy, if I need to buy 300 doors with linens at a one par, which is just one set of linens for all of yep. those homes, it's about $180,000. So there's a significant sort of like upfront financial cost to starting up with a new customer and working off of our savings accounts and whatever money we're able to collect from our early customers. We've just been saving and then buying linens and then applying that to, to new customers. We started working with a front desk earlier in 2021, May, right before the summer kicked off. And that's been an amazing partnership and really how we learned how to do things at a larger scale, much faster. And so now we're at this point where we feel like we've got a good operational system. We've got an amazing team and we're ready to start pushing forward in new markets. So Orlando will be market number two for Wash B&B. I think. Congratulations. No, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I think no secret that Orlando is just a monster in the vacation rental world. And so we've got an amazing partnership lined up there. And we're really excited that we'll probably be kicking off there in probably late February, early March. Going through a few months where we just make sure that we're taking care of this one customer. We'll be working with Cassiola. Shout working out. really well with, with Dennis and Cassie and his team at Cassiola, ironing out the kinks of our system, getting yeah. into a new space. There's also, he's got nearly 300 properties. So yep. onboarding 300 properties and, right. and advising the system, making sure that all goes well. And, and then once we're through that period and we're feeling comfortable, we'll start adding on the ability to take on new customers from there. It's interesting. So first shout out to Jesse and the, and the front desk crew out there and Dennis and the Cassiola guys. Two great companies that you've had the opportunity to work with early on in the companies in the company's development, but two very different markets. 
because Orlando is not Milwaukee. And again, talk us through, because that was going to be one of my questions. For your model, how do you traverse the space right now that's very heavily urban or, or traditional vacation rental? And those aren't the same things in terms of like operations, turnover, occupancy, things like that. Again, is there a trajectory that you, you plan a world domination? Do you work better in, in certain markets than others? Like, how are you building out this, this strategy to scale the product and the business? Yeah, I think one thing's I some of the things we really learned in TechStars were experimentation, like how to run experiments as a startup, mm -hmm. and really think about our company not as a business, but really as a science experiment. And mm -hmm. science experiments, you have a hypothesis, you test that hypothesis, and you're usually you set some sort of limitations on the experiment, but you're also bound by certain things. Do you have enough money to run the experiment? Do you have enough time to run the experiment? And so resources, exactly. yeah, resources, exactly. So this is really what we're we're working on now at Wash Me and B. We've divvied up the short-term rental sector ecosystem, and we've sort of created personas and ideal companies, and how those companies operate, how the guests interact with all with everything in the homes, how their housekeeping teams or operations or hosts themselves do everything and really getting a good understanding of all of that. And now we want to go run experiments in those different sectors. So Cassiola is a perfect example of a vacation rental manager. They've got a lot of tech enablements, which will be great for us to partner with, but essentially they manage other people's properties that are spread out around Orlando within a you know, 15, 20 mile radius. And so now we want to run experiments on how we best service that market. Cause we think we've really nailed the multifamily, the Sonder front desk model. We want to keep pushing forward on that. In Milwaukee, there's just not a whole lot of operators here. So we'll have to go to some new cities to find some of those bigger customers there. But now we really want to understand how do we do this for vacation rental managers? What are the different options we need to present them? What are the price points that are appropriate? And that's like the next step to our sort of world. And yeah, and you have to think about a market like Orlando or another, you know, vacation rental destination, Panama City Beach or Gatlinburg or something like that. They already have systems in place that they've been That's using it. for years. So it's not only are you going in and showing them a, and those are that aren't watching, I'm using air quotes, a better solution. It's a different solution and it's a different way to skin that cat and how and in what what's the ROI for your customer, which which is interesting being in the business of that we're in, our customer is not only the property managers, but it's also the guests and it's the homeowners. And it's also the guests of the property managers and the homeowners. So like being a vendor in the short-term rental vac slash vacation rental space is like our ICP is different than a lot of other, because we're servicing so many, even the hotel industry, your guest truly is just the hotel because everything else is it's standardized. Mm -hmm. It's not changing where there's so many different between the vacation rental, you know, the property manager and the homeowner alone have to keep both of those two very happy. The guests in turn will be happy if they're happy. You know, that's going to be an interesting scenario that you're running through, like going to Orlando, like that's different for you. Definitely. I do think this is maybe, you know, startup investors always ask like, what's, what are your competitive advantages? Why are you over somebody else? Mm -hmm. I think this is actually one of our competitive advantages is that we bring that mindset of we're not just here to service hosts. That's just what a commodity laundry company does. We're here to service the guest, the guest experience, the community, however we can make position our service to make it a win for all parties involved. That's really how we take it. So it's always interesting to get in front of people and, and tell them we're not a laundry company. Actually, we're a hospitality company that provides hospitality to 
hospitality providers, their guests. And that's really the way we want to go to business and, and go to market with our solution. So I think that is one competitive advantage for sure. And then you're right, the Orlando and these like more developed markets have a lot of laundry solutions. None of them really look like WashBnB or operate like WashBnB. I think our value propositions are you know, pretty differentiated, but we will be running up against that. And we know that companies will adapt to say, Hey, these guys are eating my lunch now. How do I change that? So we want to make sure that, you know, we're always focused on the guest just as much as the host would be really great experiences for everybody involved. And we think that's like our, a big part of our moat long-term. That's a really great approach. And uh, speaking of Dennis and in the Cassiola team there, and we, we had Dennis on a few weeks back, probably a couple months now. And he's talking about Cassiola and guest tour. But the interesting thing about Dennis is like, he's, he came from marketing and the big thing of what he did and in, in his success is when he's first to talk about it is his marketing background and branding is what is really set Cassiola as creme de la creme in the Orlando and now in now changing and growing markets. And a lot of companies look at to what Cassiola is doing and in the, with a marketing standpoint and a branding standpoint and are looking at it in a way like, how can I go ahead and emulate that? And I think that's a huge differentiator, obviously, for him. I think that you are in, in Watch Me and Be are off to a really good start with your branding and, and who you are and what you're doing. And I think if you keep along those lines, like, again, that's a big differentiator for yourself and Watch Me and Be as well. Thank you. Yeah, I think I've got a, some luck in my background that I've worked in marketing most of my career and, and sales too. And then one of my co-founders was actually my assistant Airbnb host. She was my Wash B&B for three years. I got to travel and, and have a lot of fun and do other things. And she was in college. She graduated college and sort of went to Europe for six months. And I was like, okay, now I got to get serious about this laundry thing. We, <laughs> we always we always talked about, but she studied communication design, phenomenal graphic designer. And so most of the visual the the name, the sort of brand of Wash Me and Be created between her and I. A really cool like partnership there, which is very beneficial to have and to start off with. What surprised you the most uh, about transforming into this space? What do you feel like coming into this industry that even coming in at, in 2020, there are not a lot of tech solutions that deal with the space that you're in, right? This is something that hasn't been figured out. And your background in food and beverage when you stepped into this space, not as the host in transforming from that side, but as the founder and the business owner and business builder, what surprised you most about our industry that you didn't see from the other side, if that makes sense? You touched on it, that it's so under capitalized, under appreciated by, I think, the rest of the world. I get it. Travel is a tough business. It, it goes to zero like few other businesses can. Um, we saw that in 2001, 2008 was very tough on travel. Um, and then again, in the, the COVID pandemic, but it's still one of the largest, it may be like the top two or three largest sectors for all dollars collected, like globally, mm -hmm. it's a multi-trillion dollar industry globally, but especially when they're fast rising things, Airbnb got all this attention. It was the one of the largest IPOs in, in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. But then you see like where the funding landed after that. And it was still compared to ride sharing, for example, it was yeah. minuscule, it was tiny. And so I think what's happened now is that there's going to be this rush or there has to be this rush to put some picks and shovels on the ground and build some infrastructure to support this type of thing. And I think that was really surprising to me that it, it blew my mind over and over that something like Wash Me Be didn't exist. It, it just killed me because everybody I talked to 
was begging for it, asking for something. And so I think that was a big part of the reason like why I was just like, this is one of those things you just can't ignore any further. And there's going to be billions of dollars transacted in, in linen services or laundry for short-term rentals. So if nobody else is going to do it, I'm happy to put my shovel on the ground and start building. The whole market itself, we talked about when you came in 2020 and you're talking about that no one was doing it, but now look at it just two years later. Do you see yourself like sitting in a good position or do you see other people going, oh shit, there's a lot, like I could come in and do this too, but when get here, do you think that you're going to see competition come in? We've been talking a lot two weeks ago. We had Jacoby Olin on talking about, he's seeing that this year being another record year and it's definitely a bullish market. Do you see that more, obviously we know more and more money is getting injected into the vacation rental space, but what do you see that other than just for inventory, what tech do you see emerging that's going to go ahead and A, maybe be a competition to you, but B, that's also going to go ahead and like take the competition out, but it's going to be an asset to, to property managers and guests moving forward. I think one of the more valuable things we're building where I think what some of the values we're building first is exactly what I said, the infrastructure. The differentiation between what we can offer in Orlando and then eight months from now and what I think anybody else can is we will have a fleet of trucks and vans and people that are visiting vacation rentals, Airbnbs, Verbos, multifamily units that have places. And there's none of that. But there's the greatest need, I think, in the industry is at the physical location. This labor is impacting that. Supply chains are impacting that. Getting everything on Amazon or delivered from Costco just has its own challenges. We think that by us building out this sort of infrastructure, there's going to be some significant value. There's a ton of tech that enables that. There's a ton of future tech that looks really fun in terms of like electronic autonomous delivery and all sorts of fun stuff like that. But right now, I think building with what we have, putting that infrastructure piece together will be the valuable piece of WashBeam-B, along with the technology around inventory management and real time. I think one of the things we really love is this idea of seamless commerce supported by microtransactions and real world data, potentially even like living on a blockchain at some point, where instead of buying and ordering inventory, let's say you're opening a hotel and you have to buy 800 mattresses. Does it make any sense to pull credit, get a big check from your from the owner of the hotel, buy 800 mattresses, and then depreciate them over 10 years? Or does it make sense to just have the guests pay for them every time they sleep on them? I think that's one of the things that we're looking at with WashBnB is if we just provide unlimited access to everything we have, but it's all tracked and monitored with data points, we can just correct collect microtransactions for each time it's used and not just have to be out there guessing. And then as the hotel goes through weekends or, you know, busy months, slow months, they just pay based on their usage instead of just paying some arbitrary flat fee that somebody negotiated. And the inventory tracking is going to go ahead and automatically, you know, adjust those in the ebb and flow of the net the necessary need to restock or depending on what their baselines are going to want to be for keeping in, in storage or on the beds themselves. I love it. Exactly. And then you start identifying where things go wrong. Our goal is to be collaborative with our hosts and, and, and our customers and not to be punitive, especially early on. We want to learn about this business as much as, as they want to learn. It's shocking to me. Another shocking thing is the lack of data around things like how often sheets get used and how often they get washed and how often they get damaged and 
you know, how do you want to know <laughs> truly this is data truly that like you just keep to yourself if you're starting to keep it, unless well, it's really positive. <laughs> because it will be determined by there's different scales of the business to where that is actually valuable information. If I'm a, a small host with five properties, yeah, that data may help to a certain extent, but if Picasso for this or these other guys, like that's huge, right? Because at, at that volume, those data points are not just data points. Those are, those are direction fillers for the business and are giving you, and the value of that data is essential to their profitability for their ability to continue to make money, to continue to operate, to continue to, or to do it. Having those data points, I think is super interesting. And I think you're absolutely right about that becoming the new kind of desire for the industry, not just the services and goods that are being provided in, in that point, but also what is the story? I say all the time, right? All this stuff doesn't matter. You can market, you can do whatever you want. You can be the most, have the most beautiful logo and beautiful website in the world. But if no one is going to your site, booking and staying in the places that you put out there, doesn't matter, right? Like at the end of the day, if that's not getting you to that end point to where there is somebody exchanging money for a stay, heads and beds. I don't know. We, we, we're going to debate about that. I don't know if we're the unsung no money. I think there's a whole lot of money coming into this space and it seems like in various levels, but that actually leads me to my next question for you as a founder, talk to us about what your experience has been here. You know, we are, I don't know, John, where are we in this space of investment within, in our community? We hear about the investment. We hear about it in on platforms and other things with investments outside of tech that are PMS driven. Where are we within that space? Is Where is the money coming from? Who's looking at that? Who's investing? Who's seeing those opportunities? And what has been your experience that took you to the stage of VRMA as one of the hottest commodities coming up in the industry right now? First, being an inexperienced founder, there's just this learning curve you have to go through. You have to read, you have to get on Twitter. You've got to just start asking a lot of questions. You have to get told no a whole bunch of times. And so that was definitely our first year was one, we're very early. So at the very beginning, we're trying to raise pre-seed and then pandemic. And people are like, yeah, there's no money for companies like Airbnb. <laughs> then all of a sudden the summer comes and things really start turning around and we're start signing customers and we have a pretty insane inbound going on. And we, at that point, decided that we just don't know enough about where our business is going to take other people's money. So let's keep doing this at a small scale on our own and bootstrapping. Beginning of 2021, started looking more seriously. I think that winter was really interesting for us. It was the COVID winter mm -hmm. after an awesome summer for the most part in business, at least here in, in the Milwaukee area and, and surrounding, especially up in the Northwoods and things. The money people were making in cabins was unreal. Yeah. But then it all like came to a, a pretty grinding halt last winter. And, but there was these little things that started to emerge, these little data points that we just saw. Oh my God, look at what's going on in the Northwoods next summer. Everything is booked out. Look what's going on in Milwaukee. Every, there's nine wedding venues in my neighborhood in Walker's Point in Milwaukee. I know some of them, I call them. They're all booked like every single Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they're all booked for weddings. I'm like, oh my God, you guys, this is going to be the most insane summer we've ever seen. So we, at that point we looked like, okay, we need to get some funding. We need to get things rolling. I've always had a little bit of chip on my shoulder about like the VC thing. I came from San Francisco. I didn't go to Stanford. I didn't go to Berkeley. I didn't go to Harvard. I've always been a little, there's these group of people. And then there's like me, a blue collar family over here. So I think when I got presented the opportunity to do crowdfunding, it just was such a values match for us. And Clubhouse was really popular at the time. And so that was sort of winter emerging on like Clubhouse and talking a lot about Wash B&B, getting a lot of positive feedback and saying, hey, let's raise this round from the community as opposed to from 
uh, a bunch of venture investors that are mostly going to tell us no anyways. And that was our experience of the spring and summer. We raised on WeFunder. We closed about $210,000 over five or six months on the platform. And then that some of that work on Twitter and things led to some good connections. And then the Techstars opportunity came in Atlanta, which was huge for us. The managing director there, very interested in short-term rentals. He's an Airbnb host himself as a hobby with him and his wife. Loves the hyper-local aspects of many startups. And so it was just a, a very good fit. Got accepted into the Techstars, which came with another $120,000 and that was like the money that we used to start hiring people and getting ahead a little bit of the curve um, of just being completely slammed with work. Now we know the opportunity is ahead of us. We learned a ton through Techstars. We really took the end of the year to just sit down and look at all of our numbers, understand how do you run this business, like what the vision is, but also how do we execute it? And so now, like yesterday, basically, I started outreaching for um, a new seed round, which will a much, much larger seed round. Um, we're looking for about $3 million that will enable us to hire the team we need, give us runway for in the next two years and to start putting all of these plans and ideas and things that we've tested now into building some of the infrastructure of a company while we continue to run new experiments and experience some of the fast growth. Amazing. Still not, I don't anticipate it being easy. We'll see, I'm very early in the process. I've had some wonderful conversations with some good institutional investors, but you're in a, we're in a space that is like logistics, it's labor heavy mm -hmm. and it's short-term rentals and it's travel. And all of those things are like, how do I get to the next Instagram valuation from here? We do it in a very different way, but we take care of a lot more people. We create a lot more jobs and we save a whole lot of water and energy along the way. So there's some better things about doing it this way too. Love to hear that. I don't think, again, I, we talk about money. Yes. We, money is important. Very important. Don't want to overshadow that. There is, if you've listened to the show, you, you've heard me say, million times talking about sustainability and looking at the impact that our industry has on the world and what that's going to do to our industry is it's important. It really is. And yeah, it's, it's how, how do you get there? The journey is as important as the outcome, but how do you get there? And we've noticed that there are certain companies that, that get there one way and there are certain companies that get there another and ultimately, we're, we always gravitate towards the ones that are like ethically and environmentally and sustainably have gotten there as wow, what a, what a pretty amazing story. And, and those are the ones that you ultimately remember for the right reasons, because everyone will be remembered. There's a lot of big companies out there just remembered for the wrong reasons. I'm super stoked for you, man. I'm excited to, you mentioned Orlando. You also mentioned that you're going to another city as well that closer to home and that that's cool so now so you're going to be in two urban markets and you're going to prove yourself in the chicago market how far was milwaukee and chicago it was like an hour and a half drive yeah it's about 80 85 miles so an hour and a half it, it'll be run a bit of as a sort of line extension or adjacent market for us we have one customer there that we're finalizing a deal with it's a 216 room hotel actually so we are running that almost as a new experiment this is Currently, our biggest hotel partner is 17 rooms, more of a boutique deskless hotel, where this is like a full service luxury brand from Europe. And so this will be our, our foyer into the big sort of boutique hotel world. And one of the last, I think, experiments in terms of how we create a product tailored to a specific market until we get to the individual Airbnb hosts. And I know there are dozens of them, hundreds of them listening to this, mm. and we hear you, we really want to work with you, and, and we will promise to diligently develop our product so it works with individual Airbnb hosts too. We're not going to ignore you forever. That's awesome. You heard it here first. 
<laughs> no, this, this is great. I, I think you have a couple, you, you talked about your two, two year uh, runway. You're looking at this latest seed. You're looking at it. Say, how do you go ahead and you hire and how do you go ahead and sustain your plans for the next two years? If you're going to go ahead and look at where do you see, or where do you hope to see wash B and B in five years from now? I think in five years, we're in uh, 30 plus markets in the US. That's what our plan calls for. It's what we're telling investors that we can do. We're going to be very measured and, and smart about how we get there. But there's no reason why, you know, three years after doing this with our inventory management control systems are in place, the hiring and the team development that we hope to have in place, that then we can't go open one or two markets a month. I think that's really obtainable for us. And that doesn't even look at any international options. We've already got you know, significant inbound in from Europe, Canada, Mexico, um, and around the Caribbean as well. So I think there's going to be some interesting opportunities for us to look at doing Wash B&B, probably in Canada first. It's just an easy place to do business. I love to start doing a business in Mexico because I lived there and went to school there for a couple of years before, before moving here, or pre-San Francisco actually. And so I think there's just a lot of opportunity for us where we want to go, where we want to get to. And then I think there's just really fun things that you can do when you have the first national network of laundry capacity at the industrial scale. Mm. Is that something we want to take back to Marriott or Hyatt and say, hey, maybe there's a different way you think about how you own and operate all this laundry equipment or linens. If we have that capacity, can we then go to student housing and say, hey, it's really hard to get your laundry done as a student. Why not just offload your the responsibility, your sheets and your towels to a company like Wash B&B that can do it? Like a subscription model or something like that. Exactly. Same with retirement communities, high density housing, just about, I, I think the very first time I pitched Wash Me Be, I was still at GE Healthcare here in Milwaukee. Mm. And I pitched to like my boss and one of the other like marketing managers, marketing directors there. And they were both mothers and they both say, can you just pretend my house is a Airbnb? You can just drop, pick up and drop right. off like six sets of sheets and every two weeks. And then I'm not a bad mom because I don't know when the last time my kids' sheets have been washed. And then I don't have to do any of that laundry ever again. <laughs> ever since that day, like I have that experience like pretty frequently, especially it seems like with mothers. Plenty of dads out there do the family laundry too and they say yes, but that's the... the so I think there's some really things to do in terms of that. And then maybe watch me be something more like rent the runway for your bedroom. Or I think there's... Could we get into the sleep, psych, the sleep technology space down the road and work on mattresses and renting mattresses and furniture on a sort of per transaction value? basis too. I think there's just a lot of different things we can do, but right now laser focused linens and laundry. Awesome. I love it. Now we, we talked the future. I want to go back to when you're starting this up and like everyone has a, like, what the fuck did I do? Like, why did I do that? <laughs> what, why, like, why did I go? What was your biggest F up or your misstep that you wish you could have gone back and, and it would have saved you even a couple months or it would have saved you something like what was your biggest self-learning lesson from something that you wish you had paused on, taken a deep breath and moved forward a little bit different. I think we were so eager for growth early. We took on a customer that, that had a lot of units in Milwaukee and we had a lot of reservations about how they operated their business, but we were eager for the growth and we wanted to show uh, investors that we could you know, do it. And it ended up just being a, a terrible mistake for us. Mm -hmm. We ended up losing a significant amount of linens. We never got paid for the work. They kind of got booted out of the city. So that was a, a pretty challenging thing to go through. We spent four or five months really working with that customer on how to get that up to speed. And then we had to take the loss of cutting out their 80 plus units that we had that we were operating with them in the city and had expected to go to other cities with them too. So I think that was probably the big thing is, is trust your instincts a little bit. Don't always focus on growth, or if you do 
take on some customers that are, you'll be a little uneasy with be better about getting everything into writing, have better contracts in place. We've taken this early approach where we're a little bit worried about getting in long-term deals. Most laundry contracts are like three to three to five years. We didn't want to do anything like that because we were like, if we get in a bad contract for ourselves, because we didn't see something, then you know we're, right. we're in that situation. Right. Proposed the deal to them, showed the contract to them, but just never focused on getting it signed. And that sort of ended up coming to beat us, catch up with us. So that caught some time and things, but it, we learned a ton through that process too. That's what it's about, right? Real life lessons. I got a million of those stories. <laughs> <laughs> Man, yes. I, suppliers, I, yes, yeah, we could do all, we could do this all day long. I know. We're getting towards time here. I, I want to make sure that Mateo has, if he's got another question, he can go ahead and ask it. I want you to be able to get your final word and whatever. You, I appreciate your honesty. I appreciate you, you joining us. It's been an absolute blast having you on. I learned a lot about Wash BNB. I thought I knew more than I did. I realized I didn't. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see your growth, and we're we appreciate you joining the podcast today. Thank you again for having me. Yeah, seriously. Man, it's a pleasure. Yeah, and I look forward to getting with you soon, man. Definitely, yeah. Any any last words of wisdom or you just said some really great wisdom and and based on your past, but anything else you'd like to go ahead and share with the audience today? Yeah, I think the, the words of wisdom maybe that I always like, you know, lead with your values, like whatever you're doing, make sure your values are front, forward and front center. When we went through the horrific experience of watching all of your business go to zero and being so dependent on the short-term rental industry and hospitality as I was in, in February, you know, March, 2020, and watching that all go to zero at the same time, we made a decision to stick within our values. And we pivoted to a laundry company that was picking up and dropping off bags of laundry for seniors and other people that couldn't leave their homes, whether they could pay for it or not. Our followers, our investors, you know, early investors, like they all knew the people we were and what we stood for. And so it was a very natural progression that for them to follow us to that next step. I think very much so that whatever Wash Me V becomes and where it goes and how it becomes there, we want to make sure that we're just sticking within our values, that we've recruited this amazing tribe of people that you two are now, you know, definitely a part of to follow us on the journey, support us. We support back that there just aren't a whole lot of like big, weird surprises. Like, why are those guys doing that? Or what does this make any sense anymore? So definitely staying within values is going to be important to us. It's how we build something long-term and endearing. And I think it's also how it's a competitive advantage. There's the labor situations and supply chain situations. I think most of these things are because of our own doings. And so I think now a competitive advantage now is, hey, you're a destination that somebody wants to work for and build a career at. How do we swing the pendulum the other way from employees leaving after six months, a year and a half to now where it's a competitive advantage to be able to hold them, build them up and give them great careers, take care of their families and their psychological needs at the same time, make them feel safe at work happy with their work they do. I think this is like the next wave forward. We're going to see things shift back maybe more towards union days where laborers and people who truly were high in demand are now back into that position of being high in demand, compensated well, and treated well by their employers. And so that's going to have to be a whole nother episode because AI is taking over the world, man. And we're going to have to talk about the effect of that. But, But, you know, it's a tech question, right? AI is tech at, the, at its core, and I think it will have an interesting impact on our business, man. So we'll pause that and, and pick that Agreed. up at another later time, brother. But I don't know if we're going to see an AI make a bet in our lifetime. So, hey, man, we never thought we <laughs> hey. could 3D, we never thought we could three D print a house either. Yeah, and we see in full sheets. Yep. Yep, we do see in full sheets. 
<laughs> hey, Daniel, thank you so much, man. Appreciate you coming on the No BS Short Term Rental Podcast anytime. We definitely want to get you back in a, a year or so and, and see how you scaled and, and get an update. We're excited to be part of the, the Wash B&B family. Yeah, thank you so much again for having me. Now let's go make this 2022 thing happen. Definitely.